0: you get to so precious with the record button because you're trying to make you are trying to like i'm saying you're good bro it's I'm not saying it's you're weird. always good you're, all, right, all right it's not about me well they thank, oh, thank you so much for like a
1: couple.
0: <laughs> yes. thank you, you so much true. for jumping on the funny business podcast for those at home listening tell us who are you and what do you do
1: hi everyone listening at home i'm daria balamova i am miss universe australia 21 2021 special olympics australia ambassador And I like to say that I'm Russian-born, perth bred and Melbourne-based. I'm a creative. I'm currently finishing up my Master's in Counselling. And I'm a coach and careers counsellor for young people and autism spectrum and those that have ADHD. I
0: feel like that's a good intro, isn't it?
2: That's plenty going (laughs) on. I feel like there's so many questions I've got. But where I want to start is growing up in Perth. What, What did you want to be growing up when you living the dream out there in the golden beaches and the beautiful waters of Perth?
1: I really love this question, you know, like it's not often that you get asked what you wanted to be when you were young. So for me, I was always into the arts. I loved reading. I loved acting and dancing. So I had a multitude of things I wanted to try. So I've always had this lifelong dream of being a published author, which I really hope to accomplish one day. And I loved movies, right? So I was obsessed with the Harry Potter films. I really wanted to be an actor. I loved arts, like visual arts. I loved to dance and I kind of pursued that throughout high school. I went to performing arts school when I did the dance and drama program there. And unfortunately, a lot of these things, a lot of these hobbies, they kind of dropped off, which is kind of what happens as you get older, right? Life gets busy, but... I find myself in a place, and especially since I moved to Melbourne, I've been really giving everything a red-hot crack, trying to do what I can so that when I'm older, I don't have these regrets and I know that I've given everything a go.
0: What was the uh, the decision behind, like, what was the thing behind the decision to move to Melbourne and make the jump? Like, what was growing up over there, with family like, were you leaving us or, you like, were they encouraged? Like, yeah. I feel like me and Locke were very... Oh. We were, I don't know how
2: we'd last, especially in the early 20s. When we first moved out <laughs> together, we couldn't go a week without seeing our mum.
0: I, I still took washing home to my mum. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's
1: bad, I exactly. say that. Yeah. I did, I did. I think, I mean, it's so cushy living at home, right, but I feel like my relationship with my mum has improved so much since I moved out because you established that independence, you know, and when I moved away, I was 22 years old, um, still a baby really, and... I remember I visited Melbourne with my mum because my best friend from high school had moved to Melbourne. I used to visit him and I really loved it here. And I visited with my mum when I was about 21 and I said to her, Mum, I'm gonna move here. She said, Yeah, right. Like, you know, you're not gonna leave us. But I remember I was actually, I just graduated uni. I did this big Euro trip and I really got the travel bug and I was longing for something more and Perth was the most amazing place to grow up. I mean, the beaches, the weather, the people, like perfection. But in terms of wanting to grow and experience things, especially in the creative fields, the East Coast was more so the place to be. And I remember after that Euro trip, after I graduated uni, I did my Bachelor in Business and I thought, well, what am I going to do next? So I was very lost i think and i come from a slavic background being russian so you know to my family you've got to get a master's degree <laughs> like if you have the opportunity and our education system allows allows us to do that in australia and we're very fortunate i just kind of jumped into an occupational health and safety degree because i thought that was safe and i did my undergrad majoring in hr and international business i thought health and safety was the way to go. And I remember I was getting towards the end of my first semester and I was just having all these panic attacks, right? And I just thought, like, I don't think I'm on the right path here. And I actually came to Melbourne with my mum while all of this was happening. We went to a property seminar together and that's when I just made the decision to move. I told her she didn't really think it was going to happen. But then I... Yeah, I just kind of packed a suitcase and I came to Melbourne at 22 years old. I found a place to live. I knew maybe one person or two people max and yeah, I started fresh. But the ironic thing is, I know more people now living in Melbourne and I've met more people during my time here than I have my whole life living in Perth, which is just crazy.
2: I'd love to go to Perth, but Australia is so big. You know, and I feel like it's like like different sort of lifestyles and stuff. We've had a few guests on the pod like Dan from We Money who's out in Perth and I know they they got a big tech festival over there earlier in the year. But I feel like there's so many people wanting to do cool shit in Australia and it's like where the opportunities Mm. are and like making those big moves and, you know, like going to Melbourne and stuff. But, yes, it's at risk but, like, you only live once, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, why not take the risk and why not pursue different opportunities? How did it sort of go with the Miss Universe stuff, then what was the decision to go, let's do this, let's give this a crack?
1: Yeah, so actually, and going back to what you said, I think Perth is just chock full of entrepreneurs. I don't know what it is, but so many founders are from Perth. Melanie Perkins from Canva, um just so many so I don't know there must be something in order but in terms of the arts I feel like as I said Melbourne was really the place to be and so when I moved my plan was to get into modeling and acting so initially I because I studied drama um in high school and all throughout my life in primary school ways to do theater performances things like that so I gave that a go I got an agent I started doing it quite intensively and Actually, I'm on a Netflix show, so <laughs> not many people know this. So you guys are kind of the first to find out. I keep it pretty low-key, but if you've What's heard of the, the show, Jack Irish.
2: Jack Irish. With Good, Guy Pearce.
1: The so it was an ABC show. It's now on Netflix. Season two, episode three. I kind of, oh, I regret saying this already.
2: <laughs> no, I love it. We'll put some um, uh, links in the show yeah, find
0: the clip. I'm going to go find the clip.
1: But anyway, so there's that. And as you guys could tell by that role, um, I found my, oh, I'll just say it because your listeners are going to be a bit weirded out. Um, So the role was a Russian prostitute and there's nothing wrong with that because it's acting, right? But what I found, and this is kind of what traumatised me and deterred me from following the acting path was my agent actually would always call me up for these roles and they would almost always be European and they'd have some element of promiscuity to it. And so I thought, okay, I was sort of embarrassed to tell my grandma in Russia about this role, but she understood it was acting and I embraced that. But if, if this is going to become a pattern and if I'm going to be typecast. To that kind of role then I don't think I'm gonna find that very fulfilling and my agent did tell me you know it's fine for actors to be typecast especially initially and you just that's kind of how you build a name for yourself but I was young and I just kind of was a bit adamant I don't want to do this anymore and I found I was getting cast a lot in commercials so I thought you know, maybe I'll give this modeling thing a go. And I was already 23 years old. So when I was signed to my first agency, I was 24, which is a little bit older when you think about models getting signed to their first agency. But I didn't think of it that way. And yeah, I was a full-time model for three years. So things just kind of naturally progressed for me. As soon as I moved to Melbourne, I found all these amazing opportunities that I didn't have back home in Perth. And going back to the pageant thing, the Miss Universe Australia thing. So when I was 19, I actually tried out for the program when I was in Perth. And I remember I had to go to the Perth CBD, they had this makeshift catwalk and they had about 120 girls there. I was number 27, we had to parade up and down, you know, have a little spiel about what we do and who we are, why we wanna do the program. And I remember 60 girls got let into the program, 60 girls had to go home. I was one of the 60 that had to go home. And I remember just feeling so devastated and I'd internalised that a lot. I thought, well, obviously I can't model and I probably can't pursue anything Um, to do with the I guess acting or anything like that just all these ridiculous notions that I was telling myself because I was young and my mindset wasn't strong enough and I suppose that's why we don't have opportunity sometimes at a time where we think we want them so bad because sometimes our mindset just isn't quite equipped to handle that you know we might get the opportunity and throw it away so Anyway, uh, fast forward a few years, you know, I've done the acting thing in Melbourne, I've done a modelling thing for a number of years. And when I was 25, I actually tried out from Miss Australia, which is a different pageant system. And I became a national finalist. I got to go to Queensland and everything. And I think that was a little bit of a confidence boost. I'd already worked up the confidence through my modelling and um, through becoming a national finalist. You know, I thought maybe I'll give this Miss Universe Australia thing another crack. So the following year, I tried out for Miss Universe Australia, I became a national finalist, and then I actually placed in the top five of that year. That was 2020. So obviously, logically, I thought, okay, well, this is another confidence boost because I feel like I'm improving as a woman. I'm becoming more confident, more self-assured, and, you know, COVID hit and everything. So... I, for some reason, I decided to do it once more, and that was the year that I won, 2021. And we were still in lockdown. We're a few days away from having our final lockdown being lifted. I was sitting in my living room over Zoom. My housemate at the time was an accountant. She was doing taxes in the next room. And then I'm just sitting there over Zoom, twiddling my thumbs, and I hear the winner of Miss Universe Australia is Daria Balamova. And I thought, what? This can't be happening. And they said, there's flowers outside outside your door. We had the concierge deliver a bouquet, just go check. But I was just frozen in my seat, right? I couldn't believe it. Um, so yeah, that happened and that was a bit of a whirlwind. So I've had a bit of a crazy journey.
2: <laughs> what type of questions do they ask you in a pageant and stuff? And or well, for BF, yeah.
0: listening and have like no idea what the pageant is about or the context can like I'm sure there's a bunch of people that have misconceptions or things about like, why would you want to go down the pathway or what's, what do you win? What do you get? I'm sure like, it's cool to see some of the opportunities. I'm sure it's opened a lot of different doors and possibilities mm. since being able to have like a cool experience like that. But like, for those of listening and don't understand anything about it, can you get into a little bit about like, what what do you have to do?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, my year was very different because of the lockdown. So usually, right, the national finalists, they go on a finalist trip, whether to Bali or to Queensland, and most recently, I believe, they went to Vietnam, and um, basically, there's loads of social media sponsors so a lot of the time they're also judges so they're the people that make the program happen they're sponsors right so you kind of um show them that respect through content creation and this is i suppose there's also a question answer section that you happens on a night it's kind of difficult to explain because i actually didn't get to experience any of this but on the actual night there's a question and answer there's a top 10 question that you pull out of the box and there's also top five that you get to know out of time that you get to prepare for so mine looked a little bit different because even with the catwalk stuff i didn't get to do that on the actual night i had to pre-film that send that in um my question and answer was over zoom as well so everything was kind of done virtually so
0: um i feel like that's then, a good one to win though you yeah, know I mean? yeah 100%. it's like it's like you know it's like everyone gets picked and everyone's getting the time to at least have all their things sort of listened to if you're a judge in one of those yeah. things you're know, checking your phone a bit prep
2: time and that's the winner you know that's that's a big tick i reckon
1: yeah, and you know what? I feel like it really worked for me because I wasn't that nervous and I'm a bit of an introvert, so I was in the comfort of my own home. Um, so I do feel like fate had a preparation, of course, because I was prepping every single day, and I'll tell you guys a little bit about that, but also fate. I feel like it was my time and it happened that way for a reason. Um. That's what I truly believe. We all have an opportunity that comes at the right time. Maybe it's not this one, but it'll be the next one, as proven by the fact that I didn't get the opportunity when I was 19 years old. And actually, guys, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I talk about it on my socials and I've talked about it on some podcasts. So I mentioned that when I auditioned when I was 19, I had the number 27, right? I was the 27th girl to register. And it wasn't my time. But when I actually won, I was 27 years old. So I don't know if you guys believe in that, but I don't think that's a coincidence that out of 120 girls, I was number 27. It definitely felt like premonition to me, you know?
2: I love that stuff. I feel like we could go down the, the rabbit hole about that because you believe in that stuff too. Get mate. in the vortex, mate. Energy's real, you know. You put it out yeah. in the world and something comes I, back. Like I, we're the 100%. types of people that see ladybirds and we're just like something good's happening today, you know. La- ladybirds are,
1: they're good luck,
2: right? They're good luck. So I believe in yeah. all that sort of stuff. So seeing that type of thing, you'd be freaked out after thinking about it for a bit and going, wow, that's, that's actually pretty crazy.
1: I didn't put it together until way later, you know, but I 100% believe in this stuff and we won't go down this rabbit hole. Um, but, yeah, I think regardless of whether it happens virtually or in person, I think people don't realise the amount of prep that goes into this. So I was... I was working full time at the time. I was a university student advisor and I was also doing my master's in counseling. By the way, this course has taken me four years to finish because of everything that transpired. That was really unexpected. So I was studying as well. And on top of that, I was doing the Miss Universe Australia program. I was making sure I was actually posting for sponsors sometimes three times a day. I'm not joking. I thought for sure, you know, my audience is going to probably get mad and unfollow me, but I had my eyes in a prize. I thought the judges can't see me in person. This is the only way I could really show up. I've got to give it all 110%. And I actually had a pageant coach. So his name is Jay and he runs a Colombian. He's Colombian. He runs a Miss Universe Australia fan page that's quite successful. And he was the first person to believe in me. So the pageant fans are very invested. And I remember even when I started the program in 2020, they'd have these predictions. So these are pageants prediction pages. And I was never on them. And I think some girls might see that and might get a bit discouraged. But I remember Jay, he posted about me and he said, I don't know, I feel like she might be a dark horse. And he reached out to me. He said, hey, like, would you like to do some training? And I thought, sure, why not? Um, he wants to coach me Why not seize the opportunity. So he ended up training me and, yeah, he's been amazing. So every day after I got off the computer after a long day of working and then I did some study, I would then log on and I'd do a Zoom chat with him just like this where we'd go over our questions and answers. And it was a lot, but it was so worth it.
2: Preparation's key, I feel like. Yeah. Whenever I feel like I've stuffed up or something hasn't gone to plan, I feel like, ooh, I probably could have done a bit more prep, you know, and it's always a thing that comes back to bite you, doesn't it?
0: What, what kind of prep? Yeah. Was, like as you mentioned going over some different questions, like what are some of the... Examples that people get asked in these things?
1: Oh, yes, you did ask me that. Uh, so I suppose one of my questions was, and it was a top 10 question with COVID, um, after the restrictions and everything, do you think that we will ever go back to the way things were with hugs and kisses and physical affection? And my answer to that was, I think it was something like, while It may take us a while. You know, I think it's innately our human desire to connect in that intimate way. So I feel like inevitably that is our human nature that we can't fight against, something like that. And the top five question that we had in advance and we could prepare an answer for that, although I do believe you can be too rehearsed. You can never be too prepared, but you can be too rehearsed. So I kind of had some dot points in terms of this answer, but I wanted it to flow very naturally. And it was, if you were Prime Minister of Australia, which kind of law or policy would you implement first and how or why and I was a huge advocate for mental health so I of course chose that as my topic
2: I feel like I'd struggle I'd feel like I'd struggle when people ask me like real serious questions like that yeah you're like what (laughs) is it yeah I'm just like I don't know I'll just melt her and I'll just (laughs) melt into the seat and just be like I can't really think of that and it's like Overcoming nerves and stuff, though, and confidence, having the confidence with your answer and stuff, is that something that you had to build or was that always kind of natural?
1: Well, 100% it wasn't natural. And you know what? I will say this. You know, people make fun of pageant girls online, right? You know, those kind of answers that go viral on YouTube for being bad, quote, unquote. But can you just imagine the pressure of wanting something so bad rehearsing and then getting a question that is very political, maybe one that you didn't see coming, There's a big audience and you know you've been recorded. I feel like anyone could get flustered no matter how well rehearsed you are. So I feel like the biggest, biggest trick is to learn how to channel your nerves and turn them, kind of alchemize them into something positive, into positive energy and excitement. Um, so what was your question? from before i feel like i kind of went off track oh, just like like
2: overcoming nerves and stuff and that, that's yeah. exactly that's exactly it it's just like prepping for stuff and i feel like the spotlight on you it, it is tough it's like what we see in the podcast world it's like you're putting yourself out there people are going to have opinions
0: Locke and i talk about there's a reason we yeah. do audio only pods it's like when, <laughs> when we ever have to do any sort of like uh video content for whether it's for sponsors or brands or whatever it's probably the only time that me and lock really do bicker and mm. get angry at each other. Serious we, anger, yeah. We don't have much of the, yeah. there's not much acting talent. Yeah, talent no, not there's nothing. Here. There's so nothing. So it's like, it's like trying to get whatever we've written out. is like, I'll do it right and then he'll fuck it up or yeah. vice versa. And we're yeah. like, just fucking get the yeah. video right yeah. so we can get it done. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I
1: can imagine. And having two people as part of a team to coordinate, it's difficult, you know. Um, But, yeah, going back to your question, I, I definitely wasn't always confident in myself. And... I feel like when I was 19 and I tried out for Miss Universe Australia, that was very obvious in the way that I spoke, I wasn't sure of myself. And I went into the experience and I think some girls might make this mistake, especially when they're younger. They go into the experience hoping that the a system like Miss Universe Australia will actually prove them that they are worthy, prove to them that they're worthy um, and will make them feel worthy when actually, you enter the competition because you want to show people that you know that you are worthy and you're confident in yourself and your ability actually so I feel like with anything any kind of dream a lot of it is kind of rooted in ego and wanting accolades and wanting recognition right it's very natural and it's a human experience so I think that that is why we shoot ourselves in the foot and why our nerves manifest even more because when you want something so bad, when you want something too bad and you have everything riding on it, that's when I suppose you don't perform at your best because you're not being authentic, right? And you're nervous and you are trying to prove something to people.
0: Has it been a challenging thing too? You mentioned before, like um, family or cultural thing about going to study and cause you can, you can get a master's degree and all that sort of other stuff. Like, juggling the balance between, I guess, um, chasing opportunities through modeling or Miss Universe and things, but also some of the cool stuff you do. And the other thing, like uh, doing the ambassador stuff for the uh, the, Special Olympi- for the Special Olympics and I don't know, I just feel like the, the cancelling stuff, I feel like it's a really meaningful thing, which is not as an oxymoron, yeah. but it's just, it's a weird it's not this not a it wouldn't seem that many people do what you do you know does that make sense in a nice way i'm trying to be that's an awkward compliment <laughs> it's not an awkward compliment it's more just like it's i think it's it's a it's a cool mix you know what i mean like it's like yeah. it's, it's some, some some really serious stuff and you mentioned before um yourself being diagnosed as an adult with adhd and some different things around that mm. sort of stuff i just feel like there's some cool stuff there i don't want to know i'm really trying to say but like, <laughs> i'm trying my best. you know whatever <laughs>
1: Well, thank you for the compliment. I do appreciate it. I think I, a couple of people have really said that. It's a weird mix or a curious, unexpected mix. But I feel like there are so many people now that really want to chase purpose in their lives. And we see this with a lot of actors and models and public figures that go on to do something that is quite meaningful because I think when you do achieve a lifelong dream, uh, and a lot of athletes will tell you this too, I talk about it all the time, uh, that your happiness levels kind of plateau out, right? You accomplish it and then you're like, what's next? You're looking at someone else who's doing better. They might have a better movie role or they might have a gold medal you have a silver medal at the Olympics, things like that. There's always a next tier to reach, right? So even when I was younger, I always wanted to help others and I honestly still don't know how to phrase this because I feel a bit weird saying that I feel happy when I am making someone else happy and you know that's why even with my platform I actually did a little prayer to you know God in the universe I said if I get this opportunity I promise you I won't waste it I will use it to give others a voice that people who may not necessarily have that voice and that platform. So that's why I wanted to do the stuff with the Special Olympics Australia. And myself having ADHD, I was recently diagnosed as an adult, but growing up, I feel like that's why I felt like I didn't quite fit into a box, into the status quo of getting a corporate job and things like that, even though I come from a Slavic background and that's what's expected. To them, there are about five professions medicine, law, engineering, you know, that whole spiel. So I really was a black sheep of my family. And now I realise, like, having ADHD, that's probably why I felt very drawn to helping other people, especially in a neurodiverse community, because I can relate to them. And, yeah, so that's what I've I've been doing since. I've been trying to find a way to integrate my counselling and passion for coaching and helping others with this whole media world which is very different and they're like polar opposites right so I'm still trying to figure out a way to make that work tangibly.
0: Has having a diagnosis like that helped you understand more about yourself I feel like a bunch of people that we've talked to that have been um, diagnosed with ADHD or whatever it might be it's like they understand a little bit more about how their own brain works and the reasons why things happen so it's like oh that's why I do this. Or, yeah. that's, that's that's how my head works.
1: A hundred percent. And it was, it was just so incredibly validating. And I think it was just, it was so nice to tell my family because growing up, they couldn't really understand why I thought the way I did and why, you know, even working in an office space was just so detrimental to my confidence, right? Because I could not sit still five days a week, Um, for eight to nine hours, and I really struggled. Small things were so overwhelmingly difficult, things such as staying on top of emails, that I felt like, am I really an adult? Am I really a functioning adult when I can't get on top of this stuff? And then on the other hand, I had abilities that were very, very strong in other areas, right? So that was a confidence boost. But because society makes us think that we have to kind of Fit in a box of being this type A personality, especially as a woman, of being meticulously organized and on the ball and not fitting that stereotype. I doubted my ability to kind of perform as a woman, as an adult, as a functioning human and you know, I had psychiatrists even a couple of years ago, I tried to get the official diagnosis, and the psychiatrist said to me, I'm 50-50 about your diagnosis because even though you expressed to me all these issues and it seems like you're ticking the boxes, you just you've accomplished too much, you're too successful, which is crazy to me to hear that stigma, you know, by a mental health professional and a psychiatrist, because it just goes to show that these stigmas and stereotypes still exist that you actually can't be successful or accomplish things when you are neurodiverse or you have ADHD. It's just crazy. So we have a long way to go. And I suppose I want my story to reflect that. And there are so many people with ADHD that have accomplished incredible stuff, but I want kind of my story. I want young women to see my story and to kind of have a beacon of hope and to maybe understand that you actually don't have to fit in that box or that mold you know you can have ADHD you could be an immigrant all that stuff and you could still do something like represent Miss Universe Australia.
2: Positive self-talk you know like like the Mm -hmm. relationship with yourself I think that's so important with uh, building a career and building a life you know around like how you think about yourself and. I know for me, I was quite harsh on myself early doors or whatever, and now I'm I'm giving myself a little bit more slack and I'm a bit more happier, but I feel like that's given me like the self-confidence to make
0: stuff happen. How important is that like positive self-talk? I, I feel like you've always had a bit of, you're happy. You, you never go past a window or, <laughs> or, or, a, or a puddle without <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. your own reflection.
1: <laughs> I think it, it's it's, I feel like it's everything. The self-concept is everything. And I can really attribute the positive self-talk and changing up my self-concept to, I suppose, my successes in these fields, because as I mentioned to you guys, I was very unsure of myself growing up because of all of these internalised conflicts within myself, having undiagnosed undiagnosed ADHD and all of that stuff. So when I actually started to better myself and have little wins and take the time to celebrate that and just remind myself so you can do things even when they're difficult. You could stand on a stage, even when it's scary, even if you get up there and you suck. So what? Some people would never have the guts to do that and they regret it later. It's much better to try and fail at that thing. And now I've really embraced my relationship with failing as well, because the more you fail and the more you get up, actually the more resilience you build and the more confidence in yourself that you build. So Yeah, positive self-talk is one thing, you know, journaling, your affirmations, meditations, things like that, surrounding yourself with people that are positive as well and that vibrate on a higher frequency. I feel like people that are also full of self-love as well, I surround myself with those people because in my experience, you know, they're saying misery loves company, right, and a lot of people do unfortunately try to drag you down a lot of the time it's um it's not a conscious thing that they're doing it's kind of like repressed trauma and repressed i guess negative uh perceptions that they have of themselves so yeah all these different things like trying again when you fail things like that a lot of people ask me like how can you have the confidence to try again after failing a few times and you just do. You do, If you want something, you just go for it. And I feel like that's what makes you inevitably successful. I truly believe that when you have the passion and you will do whatever it takes and you kind of don't take no for an answer and you pave your own path forward, that's when you have that inevitable success and when that movement happens.
0: I think Australia is sort of a weird place to to grow up at times too because there is a big dose of tall puppy syndrome of people willing to cut people down for out there having a crack. And I guess some of the stuff that we've definitely learned from chatting to people in the pod or having them on here is like you said all the time we love the tryhards yeah it's like it's it's so hard to put yourself out there so like if life's that easy for you I want what you're having but I don't think that's reality you know like everything's (laughs) tough
2: and no one sees all the bumps you know everyone tries to hide the bumps when I feel like when you put yourself out there and you know you become when you're vulnerable and you're actually yourself I feel like you become like a magnet you know
1: yeah a hundred percent and another thing that I want to really be an advocate for is i think a lot of people think when you do accomplish something amazing like winning the title and so many girls dream of that but as i mentioned to you guys the happiness levels plateau out because then you're faced with all these new challenges right and you hear famous people say this as well you know more money more problems things like that AFL players have actually come out and talked about mental health issues, and they've some have even given up on that life. You know, there are so many that dream of that, but I think it all of these things are amazing, but they definitely don't make you happy. And we hear this time and time again, but I, I don't think people quite realize this, you know. And another thing that I want to put out there is right before. I was crowned as the winner of Miss Universe Australia for 2021. I said to myself, you know, I'd love to get this opportunity, but if I don't, you know, my world isn't going to shatter. I've got other things going on. So I had actually bought into this 10K course. It was a tech course for UX UI design. But right before I was announced as the winner, I was a bit stubborn. So a few days before I was looking at doing this tech course and I thought I better wait a few more days because what if I actually win MUA, Miss Universe Australia, and then I can't do this course. But I was stubborn, so I actually bought this 10K course and then I became the winner. So I couldn't, I had to call them. They had no refund policy. I had to beg them. I was like, I know you don't have a refund policy, but hear me out. This amazing thing happened. Like it's not your usual scenario. So thankfully they refunded me some of that. But in my head, that was a way of me kind of giving myself another avenue to look forward to and to know that I have other things going on outside of that. It gave me a little bit of a cushiony feeling to know that, yeah, my world isn't going to end if it's not this opportunity or be something else.
0: question we asked you all, I guess, is a bit of a mental health one. What do you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life?
1: What I do to re-energise. So I live in a city and I feel... So we just get so caught up in this life and I forget just how detrimental it is for me to not reconnect with nature. So I'd say going to the beach is probably my favourite thing to do and it sounds like you guys are really into this stuff, but I love just walking barefoot, earthing they call it, you know, just connecting to the earth and walking on the sand and Even getting my toes in the water, I just feel so recharged. There's something so incredible about it, and I'm lucky enough to, you know, live relatively close to beach here in Melbourne. Although I don't really consider Melbourne to have beaches, and I mean, no offense, but I'm from Perth. (laughs) I mean, it's a bit different, it's
0: not really the same. Let's be real, Melbourne Bay beaches, like you can try and pretend they are, but. When, yeah. it, when it rains, you got yeah. like it's like sewage. making the best of it. You got sewage and, and poo water that goes yeah, out yeah, that yeah, yeah. things. Like, I don't really want to swim in that. And I've you been know? like, exactly. photos
2: of Esperance and stuff, and you're like, oh, that just feels like a different world, you know? Yeah,
1: it's a different world. And I don't want to have the fear of getting a syringe in my foot when I'm walking. <laughs> but, uh, spot on. I, but we, having said that, we have some beautiful beaches further up the coast. and um yeah so something magical happens when i go to the beach or when i reconnect with nature the other day i was having such a tough tough day and i just no amount of journaling no amount of meditation could really get this bad feeling out of me so i thought i have to go to the beach something was just calling me to go to the beach and i walked along the beach i dipped my toes in the ocean and I just felt so grounded, you know, I listened to some uplifting music. That's the other thing. I'm very mindful of the kind of music that I consume, a lot of pop music, a lot of, oh gosh, I sound like so woo-woo right now. But, you know, while it's fun to listen to, I feel like we need to be mindful of the messages that we're consuming, right? So I love listening to, you know, upbeat African music, bit of reggae, things like that, when I'm feeling kind of a bit low and I really want to get on a higher frequency I listen to music with a very high happy frequency unproblematic music you know I don't I mean it could be fun to listen to upbeat pop songs that are about sex and drugs and all of that but do you really want to kind of be listening to that while you're walking on a beach and in a meditative state and you're kind of taking that in so during those times, I, yeah, that's what I like to do. Or I put in an audio book or a walking meditation. I love Joe Dispenza meditations. They're great. Um, and yeah, I feel like so often we don't really connect with the earth. We're always in shoes, enclosed in shoes, just like in the office, living in this concrete jungle. So I feel like As human beings, it's so essential to get get out into nature. Like it's it's a non-negotiable.
2: Speaking of earthing and stuff like that, (laughs) uh, I want to know if you think this is acceptable. Rob's brother-in-law, Sam, he mows the lawns barefoot. I think that's taken earthing to the next level because it's not safe. It's not safe. It's kind of
1: dangerous. Yeah, no, I think, I mean... He's been fine so far,
0: right? Like no toes lost. He's no lost any toes, but he also came in the other day. His feet were like really gr- like. I feel like it just ruins the house, doesn't it? Walking through, trying to who's here? The Grinch. A bit too. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, what's going on? He's a bit green. His feet were a bit green. <laughs> that's why you like talk, talking to the music, though. That's why you like listen to. Tyco. Oh, honestly,
2: like Tycho, I feel like that's like. Have you heard heard of his stuff before?
1: No, I don't think I have.
2: Oh, unreal stuff. So it's like ambient electronic sort of stuff. There's some guitars and stuff, but it's literally it's like. He makes music that's like a background music for your life. So when you're like dreaming and thinking about you know reflecting or whatever, just gets you pumped up. Every time I listen to it, it puts me in like an immediate state of like positivity and like cleanliness. It sounds weird. You know what I well, mean? Well
0: at times, seriously, one of the times Locke used to go on this daily walk, he'd had this, like yeah. this hour loop. And when yeah. I drive around and talk to you or whatever, we'd always I'd always see him you have his fucking big headphones on and there, but he he has the music so loud that I literally was going down the main street going, dude, like absolutely trying to d- interrupt you. He's peaceful. I'm tooting the horn. I'm screaming at everyone. Walking to get away room. from you, mate. Yeah. Everyone on <laughs> the streets looking and he's just, he's in his own zone. I kid you not. Like, but that's the best he- stuff.
2: And like, honestly, looking at the beach and the ocean, it makes you feel so small sometimes, you know, it's just like, Yeah like like no worries a little bit you know i'm not that and it boring. makes
1: you remember and it sounds a bit i some might find that concept very lonely but i find it so empowering right like our problems are really small and the majority of our problems i mean that we spend so much time fretting about are just not an issue at all in the scheme of things and I feel like we're just so I was thinking about this yesterday. I had a bit of trouble sleeping last night because I thought why am I so overly stimulated? Just the amount of information we're bombarded with daily, you know, the amount of content that content that we consume is crazy. Like it's astronomical. When you think back to the 80s, how much new content, you know, uh, you know, parents consumed back in their day as well. It's just crazy before social media, especially the internet was fine, but it was really like Instagram and all of that as wonderful as it is for connecting. It's also very disconnecting because we're also, I like to think that our brains, right. We can store infinite amounts of information, but at the same time, I feel like some stuff has got to be pushed out to make room at least in your conscious Brain, it's going to be pushed out, and what is getting consumed is all of this stuff, right? Like influences that we don't really know anything about, but whose lifestyle we really admire. And then when we focus on that stuff, we tend to feel so bad about ourselves and our own lives. And like you guys said, it's only the tip of the iceberg. Like you, don't, no one really posts their struggles. I think people are starting to, and that's great. Um, but, yeah, it's a it, it's a crazy, crazy time, and that's why it's so important to be grounded. So, Lucky, I think it's great what you do with the tuning out with the headphones. It's the way to go, honestly. Well, I used to
2: love the old iPods because it wasn't the phone, so no one could call me yeah. and stuff. So I wouldn't get the notifications and stuff. But you're totally right. Like, I think uh, we say it a bit that uh, we know more we, – we can know more in a day than our grandparents knew in, like, a lifetime, just for the mm-hmm. sheer information through the phone, the computer – if you have any questions, you can just like Google it.
0: I yeah. feel like it'd be pretty nice. Like it's like we always say that we're sort of the bridging generation. Is like we grew up just as nineteen ninety one babies. 1991 babies yeah. would be that we grew up early enough that we still had dial up internet. The internet was still a thing, but no color phones. You weren't like never playing outside. Playing outside, and then yeah. anyone sort of before that who grew up straight up one hundred percent with technology, their life, their brains wired so differently because they have been. Their whole their whole life is used to being in front mm. of a screen and and taking in all this sort of content and they're overloaded and bombarded like you mentioned it's and your more, brain's so tiny as it is you know what I mean I, so I, lucky. I definitely <laughs> find it hard like you, you can't not care about these things no our, well, you got a daughter you know oh I think I think it all the time like we try and do our best to like do we limit screen time do we give her screen time we put her in front of a TV and watch them I'm like. I still watch TV as a kid. Yeah, yeah. but it's, And her life's going to be so much different than what ours was growing up, which is pretty scary because it, do, it doesn't feel like it's always on the, the safest trajectory for mental health and people being able to feel good about themselves in a nice way.
1: A hundred percent. I think that a lot, I wouldn't say the majority, but a si- significant percentage of our mental health issues comes from that. just that, the comparison. And a lot of the time we might think, I don't really compare myself, but this is all very subconscious, right? Like this is the information we are consuming on a daily basis. And then it doesn't help when you see 15-year-olds living in mansions because they blew up on TikTok from one video, right? And then a lot of people like work their asses off to provide for their family. And like there's that big disparity, that big gap that you see now. So many opportunities, but at the same time, like it's creating a very disconnected and... Isolated society, and don't even get me started on dating, right? Because I know a lot of people are struggling to find a partner. Not that you need a partner at all, but I know a lot of people want that and they're feeling lonely because, yeah, in this hookup culture that we've created, this Uber Eats economy of I could get better tomorrow or you know, this kind of mentality that's created a fast food mentality of technology, of dating, of anything, really. It's it's really creating a different kind of moral compass for us as a society. So it's really interesting. And I could talk about this for days.
2: Oh, it's crazy. I feel like you can be paralyzed by options sometimes, like the ice cream shop. You know, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's 30 flavors. Like if there was five, it makes my decision making easier. You know, it's just like, oh, there's chocolate and there's vanilla. You didn't have what options you had. You had just whatever options at the. Last oh, time. honestly, Ferrero, Kinder, <laughs> Snickers, whatever they got popping.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Some of these ice cream shops are crazy. Like I get anxiety when I go there, and that's just a euphemism for the whole world nowadays.
2: Lucky you can get four scoops. You know. Yeah. We, yeah we,
1: talked,
0: we had a. Um, we we're talking to one of a, a who's doing a dating app startup yeah, yeah, at the yeah. moment. which is just trying to sort of break the mold of what it, this whole cycle of swiping and. Like the fast food diet of trying to connect with building people. real connections. How do you and actually and going through problems with people and not? How do you, just, how do you meet people yeah. anymore if you're not just behind a screen and clicking things? And it's weird. You, you look good online, Rob. I reckon you catfish a lot I of people. Like, I, I feel like I am lucky that I've. I, I would struggle out in the wild. You know, I'm like you reckon. I'm a house cat. I'm <laughs> oh, yeah, a house cat. Yeah, yeah. You know, You'd struggle out in the wild. I would, it wouldn't be very good.
1: It's a wilderness out there. Some of the stories that I hear, it's just crazy.
2: Well, COVID's done a big thing too. Like people weren't going out and doing things either. I feel like it's changed our generation as well. Like I remember going out all the time, not all the time, but at least like maybe two or three times a month where we'd go out and have some drinks or whatever and hang out. And through COVID and coming back, I feel like, I feel like we woke up and we're old now. Yeah, you we know? are. But I
0: think we are, though. That's the issue. Maybe that's
2: just the issue. Like <laughs> just time. Time hasn't been good to us, has it?
1: No, yeah. that's that's a mindset, you know. You've got to change that mindset. But I feel like they talk about that uh, pandemic skip, you know, and we lost a couple of years, truly, especially um, us Melbourneites. you know, I think... The other states never really got a grasp of how traumatic that time really was for us. And I know you guys are regional, right? So I don't even know what, I don't it was, think
0: it he was had bad. It. Yeah. They, they had like police up and down. It was crazy. It was, you more, it was more just for us. Cause we were, it was almost more isolating because our family was in the inner Melbourne, in the harsher That's lockdown. Up. So we still had the yep. lockdowns and, yeah. and the. But we had the beach, you know what I mean? I'm listening to psycho still. I'm like, awesome. yeah. I was going to be pretty lucky. You yeah, know? Walking, the walking dog on the beach, go surfing. Yeah. Very good little radius to be stuck in.
1: Yeah. Well, I just feel bad for all the kind of people that turned 18, you know, prime oh. of their lives had to start uni online but I think some people really made it work. You know, they adapted that. I know so many people that have started businesses that are multi million dollar businesses now. That, and that was during the pandemic, you know, because the you know, people that read and started courses and things like that, some people really suffered and some people really flourished. But I think that experience, what that taught me personally was the power of really being resilient. Because that was tough, you know, and I did the two-week quarantine as well while I was doing Miss Universe Australia, like really tough stuff. But you know, and our, I suppose, grandparents and parents have been through tough times as well. That's that's life. No doubt, we'll have something else knock on wood, but you know, there'll be tough circumstances in the future, and you know, we really kind of have no choice but to adapt and keep a positive mindset.
0: like that well hey we're early in 2024 what are you excited about for this year
1: guys I I just have a really good feeling about this year I feel like 2021 started off really cool for me I remember on the 1st of Jan I was featured in an article for Yahoo Finance one of uh, 2021's top mental health influences. So that was the first. And from then on, I just thought I'm going to have an amazing year. That was the year I won Miss Universe Australia. And I feel like 2022, 2023, they were kind of a pivotal time for me because I was still finding myself. And now 2024, I can't believe it. Oh my gosh, time's going so quickly, but I just, it, it, was, it has a similar vibe to, I think, 2021 for me. It started off amazing and I just want to keep it going in this trajectory. I feel like I'm truly in the right path. I'm loving what I'm studying. I'm loving my work. I'm feeling so fulfilled. I have a much better grasp of who I am and I feel like I'm making an impact in the areas that I'm passionate about and I'm getting back into some exciting projects that I don't want to jinx it so I don't want to really delve into that too much but yeah most importantly I just want to be happy and focus on my health and really yeah put my mental health first and drown out any negativity not let others creep into my head and not let self-doubt override my goals and um, my dreams
2: you're off to a good start with funny business. I feel like it's the same effect, isn't it? January, it's a good omen, isn't it?
1: Uh, we're a blessing.
2: It's it? like seeing a ladybird, you know. It's <laughs> just like that's on yeah. a good pathway.
1: I like, I always have a funny kind of relationship with New Year's Eve. I don't really like it, but actual, the the start of the year, Jan, I just love that whole month because it could really set you up for the whole year you know that intention that you set. just as long as you focus on keeping your vibration high and eliminating negativity as much as you can and just focusing on yourself i feel like i feel like a lot of people are saying this 2024 is going to be a really good year
0: I'm uh, pumped. you gotta, you got to put it out in the world now, I reckon, early. Oh, yeah. It's, it has to be. You've had a couple of years of weirdness. So it's it's like, easy to hate. It's easy to put out neg- negative energy. Put out. the good juju out there. And we'll yeah,
2: and out. you have to truly believe, you know, wake up and do it. I believe this It's happening. <laughs> exactly. It. You've got to
1: be DeLulu. And that's my saying. That's my 2024 motto. DeLulu is the Salulu, you know. Um, you've got to be delusional in what you can achieve and your goals and bettering yourself because so many times as I mentioned people may have small mindsets that they themselves need to work on and they try to make you believe or tell you what is and isn't possible for you in this lifetime so you can't listen to that you've got to You've got to just listen to your own inner guidance and just, yeah, do what feels right because I feel like that's the only way to lead you down that path that's really authentic and will make you happy.
0: Well, thank you so much for jumping on and chatting with us and it's so good. Excited yeah. to I hope <laughs> all the best for this year and, and and check out your podcast too, yeah. We'll link it in yeah,
1: the Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I need to drop episode two. I left I, I did the first episode and then um, I pre-filmed some others, so I've just got to get that edited and get that out into the world. But yeah, my podcast on my mind, it's all about how to cultivate that positive mindset, you know, incorporating, I guess, my education with the masters of counseling and my work uh, in coaching and my old, my own lived experience with ADHD and mental health and, um, self-belief and all of that stuff. So I'm really excited.
0: Hey, Funny Business listeners, Caleb from SquareX here. I just wanted to jump on and let you guys know at the end of this app, SquareX is currently open for investment. So if you're interested in learning more about what we do at SquareX and want to get involved
1: in the digital future of the agricultural supply chains, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or to the Dream Big Social Club team to learn more.